In being a gentleman, we naturally desire to be competent and capable in the world. As you mature in the world and as the world develops, we want to know that we can handle ourselves in the world. And in order to do that, we have to equip ourselves with skills. A man wants to know that he can act in any situation he's put in and not always react to it. We're going to go into that today. We're going to have some fun talking about 20 skills that we feel every man should know and should be able to practice. Stay tuned. Today's handshake is the manly virtue of perseverance. No matter what you attempt in life, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be moments when you want to quit. There's going to be moments when you second guess yourself. But the virtue of perseverance helps you get through all that and achieve success, lasting success. A lot of people ask me, like, how did you start The Catholic Gentleman and how did it grow into what it is today. Um, and just, you know, they, people have their own ideas for blogs and, and websites and social media outreaches that they want to do. And so they, they ask my advice. And really all I say is, of course, you got to have a good idea. But then really you just got to stick with it. Mm. And honestly, Catholic Gentleman has just been year after year, week after week of work for eight years and it didn't blow up overnight but Mm -hmm. it was a slow steady growth based on perseverance whether you're playing an instrument or learning a sport or you know any other skill that a man needs to know perseverance is absolutely essential to long-term success and really it's more than just about practical success it's about your character whether or not you ever become anything big or noteworthy, the fact that you stuck with it says something about you as a man and as a person. You have the character to stick with things and push through the difficulties. Um, And I think that's a skill that, uh, um, a virtue that we all need to embody. So before we dive into those 20 skills, please consider subscribing to us on YouTube. If you do so, click that bell icon so you can get all of the notifications when we come out with new episodes or new, you know, how a gentleman knows how to and these sort of things. We're also on all podcast players out there. So find us on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Go there, subscribe to us as well. We want to keep on providing you with these things. We want to keep on creating memes for our social pages, blogs, and podcasts and episodes to help men grow in holiness. And in order to do that, we need your help. So if you want us to keep on doing these things, you feel inspired uh, by the work that we've done for the last uh, eight years and um, and will continue to do, we'd appreciate you heading over to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Catholic Gentleman. Take a look at some of the fun tiers that we have and the gifts that we're offering and consider donating. Thanks so much. I am excited to get into this. We're going to have some fun today. Uh, I know that I have learned a lot and am still learning in my life through humiliation, uh, (laughs) you know, through my own follies or through um, uh, just immaturity. And so... Um, I can think of many situations that, uh, that I wish I knew then what I know now, as the saying goes. Yes. That's one of the benefits of getting older and learning more as you can look back and and pity your former self (laughs) and and wish that you could teach yourself some of the things that you know now. Um, but there's always been, you know, just growing up, there's, there's definitely situations in which. Uh, as a young man, kind of trying to figure out the world and how it works, you make mistakes. Yeah. But you also learn valuable lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really how you grow in life. That's how you mature is by sometimes learning the hard way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but it teaches you things that help you be confident later on. Uh, competence breeds confidence. That's right. And the more that we feel we're capable of, the more confident we'll be in any given situation. Yeah, and I I appreciate you saying that. It's not that um, failure is a bad thing or humiliation is a bad thing, right? We know that those are virtues. And 
And I would say that, you know, um, action and development can be tested in, you know, the furnace of failure. Absolutely. And uh, so we can learn from those things. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to diving into some of our favorite things that we've learned and um, encourage individuals to learn as well. But before we jump into that, I'd like to make a comment and a thanks for a Catholic match, today's episode sponsor. And unless you've been living under a rock, you know that online dating is the way of the world, for good or for bad. However, in our pursuit in holiness as men, we must always be looking at our faith life, even in the courtship with women. Catholic Match is the largest Catholic online dating app in the world. They are striving for uh, to help men and women find their vocations. So I encourage you to check them out. You can go to catholicmatch.com slash the Catholic gentleman to learn more. It's free to get started. They have a free level throughout the whole thing, uh, but we encourage you to check them out. So thanks to Catholic Match, today's episode sponsor. So jumping in to the first um, uh, skill to learn is to appreciate idioms and aphorisms. Anybody who knows me personally knows that uh, I have a lot of them that <laughs> I bring to call all the time. And part of me loves the tradition in idioms and in aphorisms. Wise um, sayings. Yeah, sayings and things like that. Like wise sayings that grandpa used yeah, to live right. by. And we've kind of forgotten those. And I'd like to bring them back. And so <laughs> you'll see when I'm working some of my employees, I'll say things like, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And as <laughs> just a reminder that we do things in moderation, right? Mm -hmm. um, when we do too much of anything, uh, we, we're destined for um, failure or in the spiritual life bondage to some vice. And so uh, that's another one of my favorites. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? And yeah. so that's a good reminder because very often we think that our failure or our experience is um, somehow uh, unique to us. And um, it, often our great ideas we think are unique, but, um, but that saying just keeps us grounded and, and I'd say humble. So. Yeah. One of the ones from, I was reading my kids, uh, the Little House on the Prairie books yeah. uh, a while back. And one of the ones that always amazed me was that uh, the Wilder family would go through some like harrowing experience yeah. where they're like all almost die or something terrible. And uh, then Pa always just says with, you know, a twinkle in his eye, if anyone's ever read those books, all's well that ends well. That's a good reminder, though, that, you know, it, the, how you finish is actually more important than how you begin. So things can be a disaster at first, but if they turn out well, it's still okay. Um, and it just really showed their, their uh, perspective on life. There's there's several others in the book that I can't recall at the moment, but but sometimes those wise sayings can really help keep us grounded and remind us of important truths, uh, even if at first they just they just feel like you know sayings that we've heard a thousand times, but they they really do have meaning to them. Yeah, for sure. And I can think of those of us who are prone to laziness or sloth. Mm -hmm. I remember the first ten times hearing a stitch in time saves nine. Yes. And I've been like, what does that mean? Like. I don't even understand this. Now my kids, my kids can say it and it, they roll their eyes when I say a stitch in time saves nine, right? Because the idea of that one goes back to um, if something starts to rip, fix it now before it gets bigger. And then you've got this huge long ah. rip. And so the same thing with um, uh, just, <laughs> yeah, little things in life is that if we, you know, if you, if you require your kids or yourself to clean up after yourself, um, you're not going to end the day and look at a house that is just a tornado, right. a pigsty, a tornado run through. And so we have to remind ourselves of those things. If you let the dishes stacked up like I did when I was in college, yes. and then once a week you look over and it's like, I don't have a dish left because I haven't watched any of them. You know, that's that's the nine that I didn't save, right? And so right. now you're going to spend two hours cleaning all these things. Oh, for, yeah, it's a procrastination. Yeah. I, I, I confess I struggle with procrastination yeah. sometimes. But the thing is, it always makes it worse. When you put things off, you know, you don't answer one email. It, certain, it certain, soon turns into 10 emails that you need to answer. 
and that makes you feel even worse. Yeah. So sometimes it's better to just be proactive and fix a problem before it gets worse. That's right. So think about those uh, um, sayings that your grandpa used to say. If you didn't have a grandpa that used to say them, Google them and, <laughs> uh, and find some that you like and then, uh, well, obviously start living them. So Yeah. Well, the next, our total, next skill is totally unrelated to that, yeah. but it's one that I personally love, and it's grilling with charcoal. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I like the kind of the natural hardwood charcoal mm. that's in the big random chunks Chunks-y. rather than the neat bricks. Uh, it just feels, I don't know, it just makes me feel better about <laughs> grilling, grilling uh, at wood that's actually identifiable as wood. Um, but, but grilling with charcoal takes a little more skill than yeah. it does a, a gas grill. A gas grill, you can control the temp- temperature very easily. Um, you can control the, the distribution of the heat very easily. But um, with the charcoal grill, it actually takes a little more skill. You've got to let it heat up in the right way. You've got to evenly distribute that heat. Um, and it can be challenging, yeah. um, especially if you're grilling something that takes a little bit longer, like um, you know, uh, a smoking a rack of ribs or something like that. Um, that can that can take a little more skill. So, but it's one that I really enjoy, and I think every man, even if you have a gas grill, you should at least know how to grill a charcoal. That's right. Thanks for getting back to that. And uh, if you don't have a charcoal grill, you should know how to use one. So I affirm everything you're stating, um, except when you're trying to slow. Uh, if you're trying to smoke something. Uh, those Kingston charcoal, uh, you know, make it so much easier because you can line them up and then you can control that heat. But the end result is I completely agree with you. Um, I intentionally, when I was offered a housewarming gift, asked for a uh, charcoal versus a propane grill. I think they taste, the food tastes better. You definitely notice that. Uh, There is a certain sense of authenticity and having to start the fire yourself and get that charcoal to the perfect state. Um, Honestly, if you get into um, steaks or if you get into grilling whole fish or these sort of things, it's almost essential to do it on a a charcoal grill. So without sounding haughty or or, (laughs) uh, prideful or anything like that, um, it's, uh, the preferred, and I would say a gentleman's skill that you should have. You should also have it so that when you go to friends, barbecues and gatherings, you know, you're not totally ignorant to right. the time it takes to heat up charcoal, you know, 20 minutes or so, and then to evenly distribute it. And then the time it takes to, um, it's really a labor of love, yeah. right? These right. new Traeger grills, which don't get me wrong. I've tasted amazing food off of these Traeger grills. But basically, you just these pellet grills. You just put them in. You turn a dial, and you come back six hours later, and it's perfect, mm-hmm. right? There's not really any sort of of labor involved. There's no sort of um, you know uh, connection. I suppose the connection comes with the food after the fact. But yeah. uh, there's really something with um, kind of doing uh, you know starting fire and and cooking things over over that flame. Uh, that yeah. And and even if you have a gas grill, again, like some oftentimes when I go camping, yeah, there's no so option, right? That's right? You have the you have the little grills that they put by the campsite, and you got to know how to use that. Yeah, so it's a good skill to have. So another skill, and this is something that we don't see often enough, and that is um, treating women with respect by opening the door for them. Right, fathers, open the door for your daughters. Get in the habit of treating women with dignity. We, we talked about it on one of our previous episodes with um, Brad Miner, that yes. uh, there's, there's a number of women who are annoyed or offended by that. Um, but we are here to actually kind of buck that trend. And, you know, the intent is not to offend women. The intent is to treat them with respect and dignity that they're due. And as such, opening the door for them, opening a door for a stranger for um it doesn't matter the age young or old um you know a complete stranger or a close friend yeah. or your wife or your daughter get in the habit as a gentleman to open the door for women yeah and you know why is this a skill well it's because it's something we have to practice yeah. there's been times when i haven't thought about Me it too. and i've let the door slam in someone's face Yesterday. and i feel terrible <laughs> afterwards right. um and also i will say too that um I've I've opened the door for women hundreds of times, and I can yeah. only think two or three times when somebody's gotten upset about yeah. it. Yeah, vast majority of the time, 
The woman's very appreciative. They're not used to being treated no. with respect. Um, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a skill that we need to develop. The skill being paying attention yeah. and taking note um, and then showing that woman that dignity. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's something that we have to work at. Yeah, and if we're being honest, I fail at it probably more times than I succeed to yeah, what you're right. saying. I mean, it's it's easy for me to sit here and talk about opening the door for your daughters, um, but generally they're faster to the car, right. or I just show up to the car and I'm, you know, my head is in a totally different space and and I'm just uh, I'm just jumping in. But their conscience is always there, and I appreciate you mentioning that that ability to to practice and work on it is something we work on and we encourage. Yeah every man to work on so number four would be um very related uh how to court a woman mm -hmm. or how to how to romance a woman if you will whether or not you're if you're if you're seeking a spouse this is important but once you're already married like showing a, a woman um and knowing how to treat a woman in a romantic way that's appropriate now we're not talking about like sexually here but but you know write a love letter yeah. or bringing girl flowers like every man should know how to do these gentlemanly things that show a woman respect and dignity in a, an affectionate way to properly express affection in a way that isn't crude um but that shows them that you care about them and that you're you're genuinely um uh want to express that in a way that's meaningful to them yeah and that the end response is not the reason why you're romancing right. them. I like that. And I was just thinking that, yeah, the, the point is not um, to, to instantly win her over. And basically, if you don't do that, you failed. Right. Um, it's, it's your um, gentlemanly nature is not dependent on the outcome or the reception of that um, that well thought out plan or idea. Right. And at the time of this shooting of this episode here, my eleventh anniversary wedding anniversary is tomorrow. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I guess don't miss wedding anniversaries. You know, just right. to add to this, because um, our wives still need to be pursued yes. and they deserve to be pursued, you right. know, in this journey of life that we're on together. So, but it's a skill because a lot of guys like maybe they like a girl on their college campus or something. Yeah. Um, and they just, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to express that. And so they fumble around or they say something really embarrassing or, um, know how to do that. Learn how, yeah. look it up. If you don't know how, if no one ever taught you, you know, look it up. Um, and I think you'll feel so much more confident in those interactions with the opposite sex, but, but men need to know also how to keep dating their wives. I think this is really yeah. important. Take her on a date night, buy her flowers randomly, uh, write her a love letter. Um, uh, I mean, some of the great men of history, there's, there's a book, um, that I came across once that had all the love letters that the great men of history oh, wrote to yeah. their wives. Incredible. Ah, oh, beautiful. Like, I mean, just mm -hmm. beautiful expressions of affection and, and tenderness towards their wives. And these were guys that were like ruling nations and leading armies, but they knew how to show love and affection to their spouse. And um, we all need to know how to do yeah, that. Yeah, my wife would be blown away if I hand wrote her a note. <laughs> a note to self. Um, <laughs> so that's a really good one. Um, so the next one, and we've talked about it in other episodes, but it's just so important, is waking up before your family or practicing waking up consistently yeah. where you are acting and not reacting to the day. Yes. So having that set time at, you know, 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m., depending yeah. on when you are. I can think of a brother-in-law of mine, um, amazing gentleman, and he has to wake up at 5 a.m. every day so that he can get his prayer time in before his kids wake up. Yes. And that's so important in the example that it sets. Mm -hmm. Again, though, the example is not the reason that he does it. He does it because of the virtue of, right. of waking up um, early and being able to have time to order your thoughts and order your time to God and even plan your day. So I had a spiritual director that always used to talk to me about the importance of regardless of how your day ends, 
don't let your day start on the wrong foot. Right. And so getting up at that consistent time, right? So if you get to bed at 10 p.m. and you have to wake up at 5 a.m., great. If you get to bed up at get to bed at midnight, still force yourself to wake up at 5 a.m. Stay consistent for that day. Right. Well, you were talking about earlier about aphorisms. One that I heard yeah. growing up all the time was begin as you intend to proceed. Mm. And Oftentimes, <laughs> how we begin the day sets the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah. So if we wake up, you know, we have five minutes to get out the door before work. We're going to be panicked. We're, we're all in disarray. And we're rushing throughout our day and we're just sets the whole tone for the day. But if you wake up calm, peaceful, prayer, meditation, planning your day ahead, it's going to be a completely different outcome. So begin as you intend to proceed Take the day, uh, take control of the day early, and uh, things will go well for you for the yeah. rest of the day. And I was thinking about, uh, uh, I don't know, metaphor an analogy, but um, I read a spiritual director once. I can't remember who it was, but it, he talked about uh, that setting time out um, for Christ mm -hmm. in the morning, that regardless of the the waves and the cacophony of life that's around you, and we mm -hmm. all know the noise that are, we are inundated with, your sails will be undisturbed. Yes, if you set out that time for Christ in the morning, right? Yeah. So focus on yourself and um and and chart that course. And regardless of what happens throughout the day, it's going to be better. Then if you woke up at 7.30 because he hit your alarm three times and now you've only got 15 minutes to jump in the shower and get out, it's even worse if you have a family yes. and now you're just blowing them off. So all of those things, there's really nothing but virtue uh, in, in practicing waking up before your family. Yeah, and, th and that leads very naturally into kind of the next skill mm -hmm. that we want to talk about uh, is praying consistently and daily. Mm. Um, there's... Something so important about consistency, consistency in the spiritual life. Uh, and there's, especially when it comes to doing things at the same time. Yeah. You know, you look at monks' schedules. They pray the same hours every time, every day, over and over and over again. They repeat the same cycles like year after year. And every time you're doing that, it's kind of like it's kind of like breathing. Mm -hmm. Like it just it breeds strength. It breeds power in the spiritual life, consistency. And I would say that one prayer said consistently uh, is better than a hundred devotions done randomly. Yeah. Uh, where if you are faithful in saying maybe one Our Father every day before you begin your day or your morning offering yeah. every day and it just becomes a part of who you are it sinks deep into your soul it's much better than um you know while well, i'm gonna pray a rosary one day and then maybe i'll pray liturgy hours the next day and you know maybe i'll do a litany to the sacred heart the next day and it's all random and scattershot yeah that does it has a very <clears> weak <throat> effect on your spiritual life yeah. so being consistent is so much more effective so pray consistently and daily yeah, absolutely. And I would add that you know you've reached a level in life when you are on vacation, speaking from personal experience, yes. and you don't pray because yeah. something threw you off and you missed your morning prayer. And that pain yeah. of conscience and that guilt of having missed your prayer time and really kind of that feeling of loss yeah. um, is there. We want to get to that place, and I will be direct and honest in saying that this is one of the things that I struggled with the most. I had actually three spiritual directors that were encouraging me to pray to the point where one of them was like, just five minutes a day, pick a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. I want to learn how to love you more, and just say that. And he was like, like just, just mm -hmm. start somewhere. Um, and this was through early in college and beyond, it was just something I had never developed. I always had my evening prayers all throughout middle school and high school, but that morning prayer, that contemplative prayer, that working on that uh, conversation, right? Christ wants to be our friend. Yeah. He is our friend. Yeah. Christ Christ, um, you know, loves us beyond all else. And if we don't spend time, we can't grow 
in yeah. that relationship and that friendship with him who yes. uh, gave his all for us. So, exactly. so another one that the digital age has um, really caused to go in utter disarray and chaos and is completely out the window is how to have a logical argument or debate with somebody. Yes. So it's interesting. We see these uh, individuals like Ben Shapiro or you know Michael Knowles, and they have such an ability to debate and to form logical thoughts that mm -hmm. it's like it seems superhuman to us today. Yes. Because we've just lost the ability to recognize fallacies, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't know what an ad hominem attack is, you should first learn how to say it 10 times fast now. Uh, no, <laughs> first uh, look it up, ad hominem attack. You know, they're everywhere attacking someone's emotions. Right. We experience them, you and I in the digital space. Yeah. And, um, but the thing is, is that if you can't make a logical, cogent, consistent, you know, formed argument or thought, mm -hmm. then what else do we have to turn to but our emotions? And, and in that case, it's whoever speaks louder is stronger and whoever speaks softer is right. weaker. And that's not the case at all. Yes, exactly. And I think part of this learning how to debate well is how to listen well. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that, that we struggle with mm -hmm. because in the heat of a debate, we just want to win. But, but really, consider what someone's actually saying. And then, if there's flaws in their argument, point them out. But at least take the time to listen and understand what they're really trying to say. Mm. A lot of times, if you do this, you'll find that even if they're misguided in some ways, there might be a good intention underlying it, or there might be a perspective you hadn't considered before. And a lot of guys are like, no, no, I'm, I am 100% right. There's nothing I yeah. have to learn. Sometimes you can learn something by listening. Yeah. You'd be surprised. But beyond that, once you've listened and understood, then, again, like you're saying, respond in a carefully considered manner. Take time to form your thoughts. Don't just uh, blast back with some heated rhetoric that ends up inflaming the argument worse. But make sure that your your response is logical, that it's coherent. And if you don't know what logic is, well, look it up. Again, yeah, yeah. Learn some syllogisms or something. That's right. Where you learn how to form a coherent uh, thought in response to what they're saying. Now, a lot of times people don't like logic and they'll yeah. get very angry. But at least you'll have the confidence that you responded in a measured, careful, thoughtful manner. You heard them out. You heard what they had to say and you considered it. And then you responded. Um, people may not always respond properly. That's their responsibility. Your yeah. responsibility is to take control of yourself and make sure that this isn't descending into heated emotions that really go nowhere and persuade no one. Yeah, I had a great professor, Dennis Turner, um, who taught a graduate and doctoral level class on medieval theology. And there was a lot of individuals in the class that were atheists or Episcopalian ministers and a lot of people, really intelligent, but with an axe to grind, yes. right? He was a devout Catholic, but it was um, it was just a, a grad level class at a secular university, um, and he had this power of listening, yes, that made me imagine better what it what talking to like a Thomas Aquinas or somebody like that would have been like. Yeah. Because he could listen to somebody, pause for a moment, repeat back what they stated yes. with calm, and then dissect it and break down all the errors right. and their logic, but done so with not emotion, right. not um, you know uh, polemic rhetoric or or something that just you know fiery to try and make a point, and. The class was a pass-fail class. You just had to write a paper, 15-page-plus paper at the end of the semester. But everybody showed up to that class every week for different reasons, I'm sure. Some to try and prove them wrong, and me just to 
really, you know, a marvel in his ability to <laughs> right. listen and to respond. So I wasn't thinking that until you mentioned that, but what a, what a great point. So the next one, totally off topic, totally off this <laughs> conversation and something that I feel very strongly about is that and you do too. We're both, we're both into cars. Um, I admitted that I've been watching formula one and stuff like that, but, um, <laughs> Every man needs to know how to change the oil in his car and change a flat tire. Mm -hmm. Lots, my brain goes in multiple different directions, but how can you help a mother with two kids stranded on the side of the road with a pop tire yes. unless you know how to change a tire? Exactly. I have broken more lug nuts than I can count. Right. I have bent wrenches by doing things incorrectly. Again, uh, um, your quality or your your ability tested through perseverance and through the furnace of failure. Right. Um, but I feel very strongly that every man needs to know how to change his tire. I there was a neighbor of mine that I um, um, admire. He's a he's a great man. I like mm -hmm. him a lot. But I was floored when I was changing the tires in my car, and he came over and said, "You know, I don't even think I don't even think I know how to do that. I don't know how to change a tire." And he was like in his fifties, and I was just like, I mean, I res I'd still respect him, but um, but that was shocking to me. And I just so we get to talk about it in this episode because right. um, uh, we have that ability. And I would strongly encourage every man to learn how to change a tire. And really quick, go on YouTube, learn how to change a tire, loosen up the lug nuts while the tire is on the ground before you jack it up, so it's not <laughs> spinning around while you're trying to take advantage of it. Learn how to do those on YouTube. And then just test it out on your car. Car yeah. tire doesn't have to be flat for you to learn how to change a tire. Sure. So. Yeah. Well, an, an example of this skill coming in handy is uh, for three three years or so, we lived out by Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma, and it's lots of dirt roads, country roads. Um, and my wife uh, was on the way back from. Uh, a function at the Abbey and was driving on these dirt roads and I was at work at the time but she called me and there's barely any cell signal out mm. there and you know she was breaking up and she's like flat tire like I need your help and so I it was it was like 110 degree day yeah. so hot you know the van was running out of gas it was just a disaster all the way around but flat tire I had to race out there and fix yeah. her tire because everyone was so hot in the in the car and if I didn't know how to do that, you know, the, the nearest tow truck was miles and miles away. It would have taken them forever to get there. So anyway, I changed that tire. Yeah. Saved the family. But yeah. uh, no, it was, I'm glad I knew how to do that. Saved money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, my wife got stranded on a overpass once uh, because of a pop tire. And she called me up and similar situation. And it was a very precarious situation because she was on an overpass and there was cars flying by. So I first called the cops so that they would, you know, she was with the kids and, and show up and we showed up and the cop didn't know how to change the tire. So uh -huh. I showed up after him and I was very grateful that he had, he had cut it off. Mm -hmm. Praise God for, for cops and for the, the police department. But he had, um, angled his car so that nobody was going to, you yeah. know, run into my wife and, and children, but he didn't actually know how to change the tire. So I'm not saying that he should have had to change the tire, but I showed up and he was just standing there and I quickly jumped out and, and yeah. changed the tire. And, um, and again, yeah, if I had never done that, um, I think both of us would probably have just, even if we had never done it, like forced ourselves to try and figure it out yeah, right right. In there <laughs> for our family, but that, and then changing the oil in your yep. car, uh, that's another good habit to get into, right? It's greasy, literally it's, uh, it's messy. I can be honest that there's few things in life that I've had more um, foils and and issues with with changing the oil every single time I think, oh, this yeah. should be easy. I strip the the oil cap, <laughs> I, I grab the wrong wrench and I screw it up, it's on there too tight, or the oil filter, I've got the wrong size over a filter and I figure that after I've drained the oil and now I have to find a different car to go back to the store. Um, and, uh, and as um, difficult as that is, I still save a lot of money, but I still am, am comfortable. I understand the worth of an oil and car, and I also understand the importance of changing it regularly and yes, can do that. So. Exactly, exactly. Well, that leads to our next uh, 
skill that men should know. And it's one I admit I'm not good at. And I, I'm working on getting better at it. But it's negotiating and haggling. Yeah. Um, you know, buy, buying a vehicle, uh, buying a house sometimes, although that's getting harder to do yeah. these days. But still, you need to make an offer. Um, but just knowing how to negotiate yeah. is an important skill for men because as family men especially, we often make big purchases, big expensive yeah. purchases yeah. that maybe you don't make as much when you're single. Um, but you know, buying a, buying a, uh, a van or buying something for your house or getting a quote on a roof repair, all these things, you got to know how to stand your ground and say, this is what I'm going to pay. And I'm not paying any more than that. So. I agree. And, um, this is something that I, uh, actually found that I love doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know here's the point in first world country, we don't, ever haggle or negotiate regularly. And so I was in Thailand. Um, I was a sophomore in college and I was in yeah. Thailand playing the trumpet and uh, I was with another trumpet player, but he was uh, from Colombia. And you haggle and negotiate everything. Like the bottle yeah. of water at the gas station, you negotiate, <laughs> you know, it's 12 cents. No, I'll pay you seven cents. Oh, eight cents. Yeah. And, and, um, and so I was incredibly uncomfortable. We were there for over a week and the first couple of times, and he was laughing at me, right? There's nothing like another guy laughing at you to make you like, I'm going to learn how to do this. Yes. And so we would go to these um, bazaars, you know, that just had the different stands with little trinkets and knickknacks and, um, and some nice things, you know, some nice scarves and stuff like yeah. that, you know? And so um, we talked about it with him and it got to the point where I was like, something was so cheap in Thai. Everything was cheap in Thailand. But, you know, like a scarf that would cost $40 over here was like list price over there, $4. And he would haggle down to $2. And I asked him and I was like, why, why would you do that? $4 is like nothing to us. And he said, well, but it's the principle of it. Like it costs them 10 cents. Right. <laughs> and he was like, so it's the principle of, of the, um, of the negotiating. And so I was like, Oh, okay. And I got really into it. And, um, and then now it was like, when I came back to, um, America, anytime I could negotiate like with a car or something, I can never, I'll never forget. There was like a used car lot. I was buying an old, uh, we had Dave Ramsey and we had sold a car and we were having to buy a car out outright <laughs> in our pocket. And so I only had, um, about $2,500 to buy a car wow, outright. Yeah. So I went to this used car lot and it was good old 1996 Lexus. And, um, and we started haggling. He wanted 4,000 for it. And, and I said, you know, I'll give you 2000. He was, Oh, oh that's silly. I can't do 2000, you know, and I could never go that low. And he was like, he's like, I'll give it to you for, um, 3,500. And I just said, 2500 which was you know my all, the, all I could pay and um and he said no and I said hey I understand you have to I also knew that that car had been on the lot for like two weeks and people like to move cars yes. use car lots and so I said to him I said hey I understand you're running a business you need to make money and I said I don't want you to lose money I said so here's my card and if um if it doesn't move in a week or two and you need somebody to buy it he got my offer of $2,500. And I stood up and he said, fine, 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 $2,500. <laughs> I was blown away. It was one of the proudest moments um, <laughs> of negotiating. So yeah, I agree. Um, every man should uh, learn how to do that and and not be afraid to do it, right? Um, yeah. The end result is, yeah, so maybe you can't walk away like I could and maybe you won't get the better, which has also happened to me on a, um, a Toyota Sienna that I tried buying. Uh-huh. They, I tried haggling and they said, we've got six other guys lined up to, to view this car. Like someone's going to buy this van today. Right. And um, that was a whole nother world. So yeah, there's certain echelons of cars. I'll say like, once you get over $15,000 right. for a car, people aren't really to negotiate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so that's a good one. Yeah. And that, that that's a natural segue into kind of our next <laughs> uh, skill. And that's just managing your finances mm-hmm. in general. Again, just especially as you're, if you're feel called to be, um, uh, a family man, you feel like God's calling you, uh, if you're a single person, to the vocation of marriage. 
married men know things are incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, we go grocery shopping and I look at that receipt and sometimes my eyes just pop out of my head. I'm like, how did we spend that much on these groceries? Yeah, like that makes no sense. And uh, you look for ways to cut corners. You look for ways to save money. But the point is life is expensive. And if you don't have a basic handle on how to manage finances, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. You're, you're going to find yourself getting deeper and deeper into debt. You're going to find yourself unable to pay just the basic bills. Um, so learning how to manage finances, how to have a budget, yeah, exactly. Um, how to track your expenses mm. can be so important. Um, checking your bank account 20 times a day is not a good financial right. management That's method. Right. <laughs> be a little more proactive than that. Um, I, I did live that way for a while and it got me into big trouble. Yeah. Um, and so it was an important skill for me to learn early on in my life to manage money well. And, um, just something like having a, an emergency fund can be so helpful. Oh, for sure. So helpful. It just was for me. Um, I will say that not every man comes by this from, and from the same way either, right? So some of us are natural savers. Yes. Some of us are natural, just uh, sorry, by habit spenders. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so for me, I was a natural saver. And I did. I saved and mm -hmm. saved and saved. I loved it. It was a bit of Scrooge, if yeah. I'm being honest. I loved seeing... $200 in the bank account, $300 when I was young. And then, all, oh, when I hit $1,000, I was like mesmerized. I must yeah. have been, um, I don't know, middle school or something. And I had $1,000 and I was, you know, an altar boy uh, for weddings and I did lawn services and I just saved everything. Um, but then I got married and that doesn't happen like that. Like you right. have to manage. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I wasn't necessarily managing my budget as mm -hmm. much as I was comfortable and enjoying watching money you know grow yes, in my bank account right. and that's what what it was for me but it wasn't managing a budget yeah and I got married and it wasn't just me and managing a budget is so incredibly important and if you go months without looking at your budget it's like death by paper cuts oh yeah like the amount of little things that you um spend goes so fast goes yeah. so fast but you stay consistent, and this is an absolute practice that men have to get better at and yeah. work on throughout their lives. And it takes a lot of weight off your wife's shoulders. I mean, to be honest, my wife is better managing those those little things than I am as far as tracking expenses and stuff like that. It comes more naturally to her, I would say. Um, but I am taking on that responsibility, and it's something I had to learn. But now she doesn't stress about it because mm. uh, she knows that I'm handling it. And she feels confident knowing that we can get what we need when we need it uh, because I'm managing the money. And it makes me feel better knowing that yeah. I'm providing for her and making sure her needs are met and the needs of our children too. So uh, it's an important skill. Keyword providing, I like that. So another one, number 11 on our list of 20, if you guys are keeping track, we haven't been. So <laughs> um, number 11 is how to give a speech. And... You never know when something like this is going to come up, right? A very common one is having to toast um, a married couple or having to be give a best man speech yes. or these sort of things. So if you are, you know, in, an, in the unfortunate case, uh, a eulogy, right? right? So these things come up and being able to give a good speech is is so vital to the life of a man and, yeah. and, and a gentleman. And so we encourage you to... I do by listening to Teddy Roosevelt. Oh my goodness, best orator. <laughs> That's right. Listening to some of these great um, um, orators and, and some of these great speakers and from the past, Martin Luther King, an Martin Luther King Jr., an amazing um, you know, a speaker. If you haven't listened to his, if you haven't listened to his speeches, um, you know, content one thing, but execution another thing. And so we're not saying we need to be Teddy Roosevelt or Martin Luther King Jr. or things like that, but being able to comfortably not go into awkward places. I'm thinking of bachelor speeches, you know, for your, um, sorry, as a groomsman or as, as the best man giving a speech, you know, not going into awkward situations of having to tell jokes that people shouldn't know about or, you know, having to go down, um, you know, and, and, and fumbling all over yourself. You don't feel good about that. They kind of feel awkward, right. right? So, I mean, that's one instance in one situation. But being able to give a speech 
you never know when you're going to be promoted in work and you're going to have to give a speech to your employees or right. individuals underneath you. So um, having spending time uh, learning is, is really important. And I just want to make one point um, around public speaking of any kind, whether it's a groomsman speech or something else or a presentation at work. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves is that microphones have made people not know how to project. Mm. Um, if they don't have a mic, it is just, or even if they do have a mic in a lot of cases, they're just mumbling, they're talking, you know, it's all quiet. No, project, speak to the back of the room, not the front of the room. Um, speak to the back of the room, speak loudly, speak confidently. Don't blast people, but at the same time, make your voice heard. It's so important when giving a speech. Yeah. So know how to do that. Absolutely. And you, you remind me of a comedian who was talking about the importance, and he argues it's more important to know how to project than actually what you're saying, right. like how to stand and how yes. to project. And he used the example of the um, our Star Spangled Banner, and he was like, you know, 70% of Americans don't know the Star Spangled Banner, but if you are projecting like you have it all down and confident, yes. and he was like, and you are emotive and you are moving, he's like, nobody realizes you don't exactly. know the words. And so that's a funny point and a good one too. So another one that's really about confidence and how you present yourself is know how to shake hands. Um, it, it can be very disconcerting when you shake hands with somebody and it's just like, you know, uh, just limp. You mm -hmm. know. Shake hands properly, yeah. firmly. You don't have to crush their hand. I've yeah. had people try to crush my too. hand. Yep. <laughs> That's not good either. Um, but have a firm handshake. Not too limp, but not too uh, firm to the point where they're squirming. Um, yeah. You just want it to be firm and confident. I and agree. And also where you're positioning your hand, too, yes. that says a lot. I mean, you as a counselor and stuff, you understand uh, the psychology of this, right? So if you are the guy who always goes on top to give handshakes, that's uncomfortable for, for the other person, right? It's right. actually not gentlemanly. Um, it's like it, trying to show dominance, Correct. It's trying to show alpha dominance, yes. right? And so... Um, and you also don't want to do the fingertips. No, you don't <laughs> want to do the fingertips. Uh, it is. It's uncomfortable. And the fingertips, too, get you when when you don't intentionally, you've just got a normal firm handshake, and and uh, and and they they grab the fingertips. You just you don't know what to do. It's right. like it's like you feel like you're going to break their fingers when you're not showing like some right. you know Andre the Giant sort of strength. You're you're just <laughs> you're just trying to uh, to give a normal handshake. Yeah. So yeah, practice handshakes. Um, another important thing is the Heimlich maneuver. So we're not here to, to talk all about CPR and things like that. But every man, again, going back to the beginning of what I was saying about being capable and competent mm -hmm. in any situation, if somebody is um, choking and nobody is responding, you can be the first to respond when you know how to give the Heimlich maneuver. Yes. And that's really important. And I understand that like for little kids and, and the Heimlich maneuver, uh, there's, there's new approaches and things like that. But nevertheless, know how to do the Heimlich maneuver, know how to, yeah. know how to start. Um, I had one where I, um, with my daughter, she was old enough, I attempted to do the Heimlich maneuver, she was choking. And then, um, and that didn't work. So um, spinning, her around by her feet did. Wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the, the action's there, but um, make sure that, uh, that you've spent yeah. time learning it. Go to a CPR class and yeah. um, learn how to do these things. It's, it's a good skill because someone they're in a situation like that, they're going to be looking for somebody. Yeah. And if nobody knows, uh, it could not end well. Yeah. So it's a good skill to have. Yeah. So um, another one that we like to talk about, and we're not advocating for violence, but it's you have to know how to protect yourself. You have to know how to throw a punch. You have to know how to take a punch. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not encouraging men to go out and practice taking punches, um, but uh, we can think of Captain America when he was, you know, in the movie when he was scrawny and stuff like that, um, where not only did he know how to take a punch, but he also knew how to throw one. And there is a degree of art form to throwing a punch correctly. Mm -hmm. and, um, and very often, I like to bring this up because there's the archetype of warrior within us men. Yeah. Whether we are five foot five or whether we are six foot five, we still all have this innate desire to protect mm -hmm. and this archetype as, and I use warrior as, as Brad Miner calls out. Um, and 
And one of those things is knowing how to handle yourself if a mm-hmm. situation should arise, right? So we always right. choose the um, the path of of least conflict when we're talking about this. Like we're not yeah. talking about, you know, but if somebody horribly offends your wife, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody um, attacks your child, yeah. I mean, there's tons of situations um, that, that these could present it in. And so, uh, but knowing, having the confidence, um, is, is really something that I value and I, I, uh, helps men grow in confidence as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this goes back to that theme of just being competent, just yeah. having these, this basic tool belt of skills that you can use in all the different situations of life. And yes, knowing how to fight, um, is not a bad thing for a yeah. man to know. It's a very good thing, in fact. Um, that doesn't mean that we turn to violence, like you're saying, as a first resort. It should right. generally be a last resort yeah. after we've tried everything else. Um, but again, women and children, who are they going to be looking to to defend them? Um, they're going to be looking to you. Yeah. <laughs> are What are you going to do? Yeah. So, so know how to handle yourself. Um, know how to handle that situation. Doesn't mean you have to be a martial arts expert, right? Uh, or you know, a Navy SEAL. Uh, but just know the basics. Yeah, agreed. So, next one on our list of things that we think every man should know how to do, and this is personal to both of us, is drive a stick shift. <laughs> um, it's harder to do these days, right? Because yeah. cars just aren't being made with stick right. shifts, or they've got paddle shifters, or things like that. Um, but there is something. Again, going to the authentic, going to yeah. the connection, right? So we get these Teslas that are coming out, right, that can drive themselves, right? right? <laughs> we, we are so disconnected um, from our car and from the machine that we are mm. putting ourselves into. I think it's dangerous. I also think it's very, you know, contrary to the attention we should be giving in these situations. Um, but when I learned how to drive, a stick shift, there was not only a sense of accomplishment, but it's also come in handy at least three other times in life, yes. um, both in um, in necessity, but also in pleasure. So in necessity, um, I was going and I can think of a time when um, a friend of mine um, got into a real bad accident and needed me to drive his yeah. car home and he had a stick shift. If I didn't know how to drive a stick shift, we would have been paying for a tow truck or right. something like that. Um, I can also think of a pleasure that a, f- a friend of mine, um, her former boyfriend, this is in uh, college, owned a Toyota Supra um, with uh, 540 horsepower, and he offered to let me drive it. But if I didn't know how to drive a standard, I wouldn't have been able to experience, you know, going from my Honda Civic with like 110 horsepower right. <laughs> to something uh, something like this. And so I think there's a skill in there that, um, that you know, we should all learn how to. Yeah, well, and like you said, it's a, it's a wonderful connection to just the mechanism of your vehicle. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all this electronic stuff is really taking away, outsourcing our ability to control our vehicle. And a lot of times it does improve a driving experience, we're not going to lie. Um, you know, it does make things faster or more responsive. But at the same time, there's just something really wonderful about feeling those gears click yeah you know and feeling the the clutch popping in and out and uh i just i really enjoy it you know my car is an automatic right now but i've i've owned lots of sticks and um honestly i prefer it even if uh even if it makes the car a a second or so slower when you're accelerating it's fine it's it's more the pleasure of feeling that connection to the vehicle a transmission is an amazing thing when you feel like you're in, in control of that, it's it can be very enjoyable. Yeah, so. I don't know. When you went from stick shift to that automatic, if you uh, found your hand like looking for something to do. Oh, yeah, my, my foot <laughs> yeah. hitting the floor, exactly. like looking for that clutch. I've yeah. had that experience. I'm like, well, I can only press the AC button so many times. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so I agree. I've only got automatics right now, but uh, very blessed to have um, driven a, a stick and yeah. known how to drive one now. Uh, number 16 in our list of um, things that a man should know how to do is clean your drain pipes. And what do I mean by that? But yes, it's part of home ownership. It's part of um, of life. You have to know how to clean out the guck and the hair in the different drain pipes in your house. You could either learn how to do that yourself in maybe 10 minutes flat, 
or you can pay someone $200 to do it. And so I was watching this really great handyman on YouTube, and he was talking about how um, every day he has one chore like this. He said that takes me 10 minutes uh, to clean it out. They have to pay me $200 bottom. He's like, um, I think he said the, the lowest one is changing um, out the battery in a, in a fire um, detector. And he said oh uh, that, you know, it happens very frequently that people will call me, men as well will call me because they've never known how to touch one. And so I just have to go over, change out a battery. But not what I'm talking about here, but learn how to disconnect the, the, um, the screws on the pipe, mm-hmm. right? It's not difficult yeah. nowadays. Pull it out. If a wedding ring gets lost down there, you know how to find it in that yeah. trap. And so um, I strongly encourage men to know how to do that. Yeah, and hey, sometimes it can be a little gross, but as the longer I've been a dad and dealing with sick kids throwing up everywhere and changing diapers, the less my gross factor has, has kicked in at all. Right. But uh, but yeah, get your hands dirty a little bit. Uh, get that, that uh, pipe wrench out and uh, take it apart. It's actually not as hard as you'd think. Agreed. A lot of times guys are just intimidated by some of this basic stuff because their dad never showed them how to do That's it or right. whatever. But once you actually do it, a lot of these things aren't as hard as you'd think. They just, you know, it takes a little bit of effort, but it's not that bad. So just learn how to do it if you don't know how. Um, it'll save you a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. So, so number 17, one that uh, we both have experiences of, and we actually talked about earlier today, is, um, is shaving. Ah, right. So knowing how to shave uh, correctly and appropriately, knowing how to use a straight razor and knowing how to um, uh, just keep yourself uh, trim and and right. I I, I liked what you said on the last one about a father. Right. And so very often we didn't have fathers. I did. But very often we I know a lot of my friends that didn't have fathers to show them how to do these things. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, knowing how to shave is, is important. Yeah, well, and and there's different ways to shave, right? So there's, uh, of course, the electric razors that everybody uses these days. But there's also, you mentioned this uh, straight razor, which honestly, I'm going to admit, those are a little intense to use because one mistake and you cut a big gash in your cheek. But but knowing how to do it properly is really cool. I mean, there's no experience in the world like a straight razor shave. I mean, if you find a barber who knows how to do it, or you do it, learn how to do it yourself. It's amazing. Like the, but you can also use a safety razor, which is a lot less likely to cut yourself. Um, but they're they're also not the Gillette, you know, razors that you That's buy right. at Walmart either. They're still it's still a really wonderful experience. You get the water all hot. You got your soap. You know, you get your little brush and the soap and the hot water, and you lather up. And even if you have a beard, you can still clean up your beard, the edges of your beard, with a, a safety razor. And it feels great. It's much easier, uh, too, than yeah. a Gillette. Like, the Gillette has the little plastic things on yes, the side, so you right. can't get as close, or you, yeah. you can't see how far you're going down. Yeah, right. you don't have to worry about that with a yeah. straight, even a safety razor. Yeah. yeah, and it takes a little more time, but it's a really, like, luxurious experience. It feels great. So know how to do it, even if you don't do it all the time. Like, know how to do it, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. So this next one, you foreshadowed early on in the episode, but I don't even know if you meant to. And that is handwriting letters. Yes. So not only for courting women or your wife, um, but, uh, but that's become, it's becoming a lost art, which is so interesting, right? Because we had to learn cursive in school. Right. We had to learn all these things. And nowadays men don't, don't know how to, you know, take pen to paper and not make a thousand mistakes and have to get white out all over the place. You right. know, it's, it's just become, um, a lost art. So, well, and even learning how to express yourself yeah. in a way that's, um, a little more articulate than like how you'd express yourself in an email or something. Um, but just a thank you note for somebody who was really hospitable to you and let you stay, you know, stay with them while you were on vacation or things like that where, uh, thank you note shows intentionality. Anyone can fire off an email, yep. but taking the extra time, finding a stamp, finding uh, a, a card, writing it out carefully, it all takes an extra level of intentionality. And that extra intentionality shows extra appreciation. Yeah. So knowing how to do it, it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time, but knowing how to do it and doing it occasionally 
is a really good skill for a man. It is. I liked how you started small, a thank you note, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was stating it right there, I'm sure like many of our listeners, you're thinking like, yeah, full handwritten note, right? Foreshadowing to, you know, a love note or something like that. But you're exactly right. Start small with a thank you note or start with a journal. Mm -hmm. You know, journal in the evening, write a couple interesting things that happen to your day, you know, Mm -hmm. learn how to tell stories to, you know, in your journal. Um, Mm -hmm. But these sort of things uh, can really help us progress in that um, ability and confidence uh, to write. Expressing yourself. I think it's something that's so important to know how, know what you're thinking and know how to say it in a way that's coherent and meaningful. I think that's really important. Yeah, agreed. Next one is one I'm really uh, excited about. Uh, it's like knowing how to tie a bow tie yeah. or really knowing how to tie a tie in general. I don't think any uh, full-grown man should ever wear a clip-on, whether yeah. that's a bow tie or a regular tie. should know how to tie a tie. Maybe know multiple ways of tying a tie because there are multiple ways. Yes. But but really, a bow tie, I think, knowing how to do that is really cool. I agree. Um, I have some bow ties. I don't wear them all the time, but I do uh, like wearing them occasionally. And it's really fun to tie them. It can be kind of tricky sometimes. Sometimes you got to try a couple times to get it right. Um, but it's really fun to be able to do that and to know how. Not a lot of people do these days. But also, you know, there's times when, you know, you're going to a wedding or, I mean, you're in a wedding or something like that where you need to wear a bow tie with yes. your tuxedo. And again, you don't want to wear a clip-on. <laughs> like, just, just get an actual bow tie You'll feel better knowing, even if nobody else does, knowing that you tied it yourself. Yeah, and in the symphony orchestra where I play, um, I would say that there are two people in the orchestra that actually tie their own bow tie. Everybody wears clip-ons. And, you know, the opportunity is there, but you do. You look like this this superhuman, you look like this, you know, <laughs> Ubermensch or something because you could tie a bow tie. Yeah. So, um, and it's noticeable, a clip-on tie, um, even one that, that wraps around and clips in the front, you know, like that versus actually tying it, it looks completely different. Yes. So, so I completely agree. So um, last, but uh, certainly not least, and as you guys have noticed, we didn't go into like uh, survivalist techniques, like how to start a fire without matches, or you know how to filter water, you know, out of a you know eucalyptus leaf or plant or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's not what we were talking about. We we're talking about real practical things that men um, statistically will need to know how to do in sure. their lives. And um, and so our last one, kind of in line with uh, tying a bow tie, is how to wear a suit. And all I'd like to say is um, dress for your how you look and your body size. Don't dress for what you want your body size to be, <laughs> right? So wearing a suit should make every man, regardless of how tall, how um, short, how large, how skinny he is, look better. And it can do that when it's fitted appropriately. Yes. And so you should know how to do that. You should also know how to wear um, a suit, how to um, handle yourself in a suit. Um, but we're going to actually talk about that in another episode, so I won't go any further. <laughs> yeah. One thing, well, one way, one way to just wear a suit properly is um, a lot of times guys just leave them flapping open. When you stand up, button your suit, the top yep. button of your suit. Uh, it's a very simple thing. But it makes it makes you look a lot better. Makes you feel more confident. Um, and then if uh, some people wear a vest underneath, there's yeah. different rules for that. Yeah. So just familiarize yourself with kind of the basic ground rules of what's appropriate and what's not. Um, and you'll feel better. You'll feel more confident. Agreed. I'm a fan of a pocket square too, yeah. right? And it should it shouldn't be the identical uh, pattern or color as your tie. It should complement your tie right. or your shirt, um, you know, or even your jacket uh, for that matter. Um, but there's a lot of little fun things that you can do with a suit. Um, I suppose for those of you who don't own a suit. That's where you should start. Get one. <laughs> yes. um, and we'll talk about that on another day. So for our nightcap, you know, it is another skill, uh, a skill that your boys are working on now and, yeah. and learning at getting better. And uh, oddly enough, my daughters are too, not to the degree that your boys are. Um, but if you'd like to share with us the, um, the experience that you have of uh, chess. Yeah. Well, I think every man should know how to play chess. It's a great game. They call it the game of kings. You know, I think it's just, it's a very gentlemanly game. It's got ancient roots. 
Um, I think one of the earliest chess sets they found was from like 800 years ago or something. Oh, it goes way that. back. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's a game of strategy. It's a game. It's part art, part mm, skill, yeah. or part science. You know. Uh, and it really challenges you to think. I'm not a great chess player, yeah. but I enjoy it, mm. you know. And I think that uh, it's very enjoyable to get together with some friends and and play a little chess. Like I think it's something that uh, that again you that is a great skill for men to know. Uh, my boys again are really into it right now, yeah. and they're just they're learning all they can about it. But uh, it really pushes you to uh, learn to see things in a different way. See strategize a little bit um so i think it's just uh, it's a lot of fun and yeah i think every man will benefit from knowing it i agree and i think so we've gone through 21 skills <laughs> if you include perseverance at the beginning and and starting your own blog or something like that 22 but there's so much to life there's so much to life that we can enjoy and we can take yeah. um advantage of but we often get lost in the noise and we often get lost in the um in the uh binge watching of netflix or you know uh you know series and things like that and and we allow these skills to pass us by yeah. you know to do them so we both encourage you in growing in holiness to learn to produce learn to create learn to be active mm -hmm. and not always passive or reactive to things right you know was, uh, i love saint benedict's motto of aura et labora mm -hmm. yes the spiritual life is prayer um, but there's also action required um, and even the holiest monks uh, are out there weeding their garden yeah. you know as well as praying and reading their books um, and as catholic gentlemen we're called to develop ourselves to learn skills to act in the world um, and doing that in a prayerful way learning these things uh, in a yes they develop natural virtue but approached in the right way they can also help us learn supernatural virtue yeah. um, and that's something that um, anything can be a, a rung on the ladder to heaven so take these things seriously um, learn them uh, and you'll be a better man for it. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Sam. I mean, it's as good for our listeners as it is for us yes, to remind right. ourselves of these things. So as we remind every man who watches or listens to our episode at the end, be a man, be a saint.